check, check, mic check. Championship Series left. Cooper Webb and Kenny Roxon are both going to clinch this weekend. Yay for them. Kenny's second for the MX title. Cooper's first. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a weird season. A lot of injuries. Some grace, some great races. But, man, Webb and Roxon really have control of this thing eh, for most of the series. Well, early on, Webb wasn't the great, but it's been a while, and he's had uh, had control. 702-586-7857. Call any time. Uh, we're going to give away a set of 2017 Fly Racing gear. It's fantastic to have those guys on the show. And uh, just like always, the 2017 gear, uh, it's, uh, it continues to do education, innovate, develop, and improve the future of racewear. You can get a WPS dealer. Uh, go there and purchase Fly Racing products or visit flyracing.com. Uh, this stuff that they develop. Right in conjunction with guys like uh, Shorty and Kennard and Pike and, and uh, Brayton and these guys, uh, they have a direct say in how this gear uh, goes, whether it's the top-of-the-line Evo stuff or, or, or below that, the three lines below that. Uh, flyracing.com has it going on. Fly Sector boots, too, bro. Great boots. Uh, Seven Deuce Deuce wears them. Uh, NFAB. NFAB supports the sport, whether it's through the JGR Yamaha team that they're a huge part of, or whether it's the NFAB Ampro off-road Yamaha team of uh, Randy Hawkins. The, the folks at NFAB uh, uh, support the sport. And if you have a Jeep, truck, or SUV, please look them up for uh, bumpers, light mounting solutions, uh, anything kind of like that, steps. Uh, they've got them. A lot of riders use NFAB to uh, trick out their trucks, and, uh, and so should you. So check it out. If you want a discount on uh, NFAB, just email the uh, email the show using the contact form on Pulpamex dot com and um we'll get you a deal yeah that's right it's that easy 702-586-7857 fly racing moto 60 show presented by nfab of course i'm steve mathis uh we're gonna have uh, the great jeff emig on first and then the great jason wygant on second uh wygant of course the voice of the uh, lucas oil ama pro motocross championship series uh with me producing the show holding things down over there in the corner taking your calls um deciding on a whim what happens every, each and every day on this show the Tits legendary. What's up, Tits? Slightly more than a whim, but not much. Right. Uh, what do you? What's your thought on the 2017 fly racing gear? I know you've looked through the catalog extensively. Uh, very excited for it. Yeah. I've not yet got my hands on it. I'm waiting until they allow the rider support people to order. Uh, oh, you, so, you are the rider support people are on the backlog right now. Uh, dealers yeah. go first, which yeah. I understand. Yeah. So uh, I'm not complaining. So I am excited. I have a list of things I'm already ready to buy. Uh, as with all their other gear, some of it I love, some of it not so much, which, you know, uh, which is fine. Years ago, um, gear companies, 
had lines that every year you were like, I don't like that or I don't or I like that a lot. Nowadays, they've got three, four different lines. They've got the crazy designs. They've got the mild, tame, straight lines. Everybody has the stuff that will cover your taste mm-hmm. palette. Like mm-hmm. it, it, they all do it. Yeah, and it's good. You know, yeah. they, they have so many lines of gear, so many colors, so many different features that something will work. Yes, for you. yes. Where years ago, like say twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, uh, if you didn't like the stuff, that was it. You weren't that You're was SOL. That was it. You just went on to another gear company if you didn't like it. But uh, Fly Racing certainly has some, something for you guys, for each and every one of you. And when the Rider Support Program opens, I mean, we all know tits. You're an active racer every weekend yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Putting in results. Yes. Showing the world flock. Yeah, I have a lot of sway with people, uh, believe oh, yeah? it or not. Yeah. 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 The uh, Mormon community are big on fly uh, racing? Yes. Okay. The Mormon motocross community is very supportive <laughs> it's, it's of It's underground, <laughs> but it's very big. But it's underground. Uh, you, uh, Butts Creek this weekend coming on up. Uh, Unadilla this past weekend. Uh, what did you think of Unadilla, Tits? Did you get a chance to watch it? I did watch it. And? Uh, very eventful. Um, the multiple red flags, the apparent inconsistencies uh, with following the rules on the restarts and things like that was the scorekeeping. Did you have an ins- did you did you have a problem with uh, um, uh, Wygant's interpretation of the rules? Well, I, I thought it was great that Wygant had one and uh, GL had a completely different one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I was in yeah. the tower when that was going down, and I really didn't. I thought it went by via the lap before. Uh-huh. Now, if you look at the lap charts, Cooper Webb was scored, lapped, scored ahead mm-hmm. of Forkner, but only ten guys were scored, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's when the flag came out. Like, yeah. like they went, ten, they went, okay, Cooper, Forkner, blah, blah, blah. red flag, okay, we're done, no mm-hmm. more scoring. So, Cooper's, I, what, Cooper's, what happens to all those other people that didn't finish that one lap there? I think they. Just went back to the lap before. So some went on the lap current, some went on the lap before. (laughs) Some people are lucky, some people maybe not so much. I don't know, man. I was with you. There was confusion in the tower. Supercross guys do it the lap before Mm -hmm. the the red flag. Regardless of what happens. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So I don't know, man. It was a little confusing. Not only that, but then when they restarted the one... Uh, GL was like, yeah, they should do like a staggered start. And uh, we just like, no, I think they just re-rack them. But not only that, they said... It was supposed to be however you were. You know, say um, Forkner should have had first gate pick, according to it, but they just said, nope, put exactly back the way it was before. You know, they, they weren't redoing that. Oh, on the first restart. Yes, the first yeah, restart. Yeah, no, the first restart, I knew that. I knew they wouldn't go by the but order of the lap. But that's should have no, been. No, 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 never. It's that, never like that's that. That's one thing that GL because was, it was saying. Because it was under so much time. Right, um, but... It, yeah. So they would have done it. Shows but what anybody knows. We'll ask Wygant. Let's get Wygant on yeah, it. Yeah, let's, and, let's do that. And let's get into uh, Jeff Emig, too. Uh, AMA, AMA Supercross Motocross Champion Jeff Emig coming up. Uh, and Wygant will be on later to clear up all of the restarts and issues that we had um, uh, at Unadilla. So Bud's Creek this weekend. Uh, like I said, second last round. Uh, Indiana, one more. Uh, when you look at the sheets for this weekend, not everybody gets um, bonuses for seconds and thirds and things like that. But there really aren't many too bad. There aren't too many battles going on. Uh, Savachi and Amart are tied uh, for second in the 250 MX points. And uh, I'm wondering if it's going to matter uh, which guy beats who uh, as far as uh, money-wise. Uh, obviously, they both want to get second, but... Uh, it should be interesting to see as we go down which guy ends up second. Jeremy Martin's out for the year, so he won't be there. He's uh, he's only twenty points back, but he won't be there. Uh, Plessinger's catching fire, and uh, I'd like to see uh, see what he can do with these last few rounds. He's certainly been uh, been incredible, and he seems to be just getting more and more confidence. And you know, you see guys that kind of ride things out a little bit, and um, 
you know, certain guys like like a veteran, like a, a, a Pike or, or, or Brayton or Shorty um, are riding around. And Bloss, the rookie, is all pumped and all stoked and all excited. And Bloss, we saw this weekend what he could do. Uh, all right, let's get to the phone line. 702-586-7857. We're going to give away a set of 2017 gear uh, to somebody. Uh, first up is Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Mr. Mathis. I, was, I know you're an Adam Carolla fan. I had a question about live podcasts. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing those like the, the day before a race? I've thought about it like at a dealership. You know, I thought about going to a dealership on a Friday night and uh, and try to um, I'd set up a, a, a live podcast with JT and Wygan or, or one of those guys or, or somebody else, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, I, I need some money to do that, Tyler. I don't want to do it for free. It's a lot of work. Like that setup we did for the live Arena Cross series, uh, the Arena Cross final two years ago, we brought that to the uh, the – the arena and um we did it um it was a lot of work a ton of work so i mean i don't know tyler you want to pay me do you, you want to do it uh, you want to sponsor i'm it? not the guy but I'll, I'll pay a ticket to go see it definitely oh I'll okay definitely yeah no i i thought about it man people would love it and we could do it pretty easily like i said like the arena cross thing but it's just it's lugging all the equipment across the country setting it up finding a dealer that wants to do it you know they got to have a bit of a stage they got to have um you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I've thought about it, man. Yeah, it'd be fun, wouldn't it? it? I think it'd be great. Take some questions from the audience and stuff and all that, you know. Um, but uh, I don't know. We're going to see if anybody wants to actually uh, pay for that services. Well, hey, it's an honor, Steve. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks man. Yeah, that'd be fun to do. Something we've talked about. We've all we've all talked about it, doing it, and people would, would uh, really get into it. But uh, I don't know. I've got to find someone to pay us to do it, right? Um, all right, with on the line to talk Bud's Creek and more, uh, multi-time AMA Supercross and Motocross champion Husqvarna brand rep Jeff Emig. What's up, Fro? How are you? I'm doing well. Just getting some uh, work done in the home office today. Okay. How's uh, how's Husqvarna's? How's everything going? Have you been riding them much? What's happening? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And then um, <clears throat> just uh, I've got my FC 450 that I picked up last week that I have yet to ride and. Uh, I'll be picking up uh, a TC125 and building that out for the, uh, my plans are to race the 125 Dream Race at uh, Washougal next month. Oh, that'll be awesome. That'll be great. Yeah, at Shift, we title sponsor that, and so I think it'd be cool to uh, get up there and ride at 125 again. So I've got all these options. It's been really fun. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great thing about being part of a brand like Husqvarna. Uh, 252 stroke, 195, 2-stroke, 454 stroke. What do you want to ride? 250, 2-stroke, yeah. And... To top it all off, I'm doing that uh, unofficial vet motocross of nations in Farley Castle mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom here in a couple of weekends. And so, really, I've just been trying to get a little bit of seat time for that. But, of course, with those, with that race, that's all uh, vintage bikes. And so, uh, the newest bike in what they call the Evo class, the Evolution class, with like a monoshock or a single shock, uh, I believe is 1989. So, I'm going to ride for Team USA in that class, and then I'll ride the Twin Shot class, uh, which now you're really going back. Yeah. And that's, uh, I believe, 1984 and uh, earlier. So uh, riding a couple of vintage Husqvarna's, there's uh, uh, some guys over there that have a pretty cool fleet of old bikes. So, yeah, I've, I'm going to be riding like five different bikes here in the next uh, two weeks. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to either love it or hate it by the end. I'm not exactly sure. Well, you have yeah. to keep in mind these bikes are, I mean, what would that be, 30, 35 years ago, something like that? Yeah. Uh, 20, 25 years ago, 30, 20, 
one, two, I don't know. Whatever the math is, it's been a long time. If it's got right. twin shocks on it, the thing's old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be so, gnarly. Um, yeah, it should be fun, man. It should be great. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to go to that one day. I, I told you that before. I, I really think that'd be really sweet. Um, you, 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 you seem, I, I just heard part of that conversation before I came on. There's a lot of things you want to do. You just haven't find the trouble finding the budget and the sponsorship. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, if somebody wants to pay me, I'd love to go. But yeah, me putting it money seems out. seems like a yeah. great opportunity for the business you do with Racer X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably, right? Um, you take some time off well, work, take her to the United Kingdom. Who knows Davey Coombs the best out of us? It's you. So hit him up, Fro. Hey, Tell him. hey, hey. <laughs> um, hit up my boss. Because I was in his wedding doesn't mean that we're tight, okay? <laughs> I know, right? Hey, um, uh, Bud's Creek, certainly a track that has good memories for you uh, over the years, right? And uh, one that it seems like you're never quite level. You're constantly off ca- off camber. You're constantly going up a hill. Uh, it's it's a fun track though. It's it's uh, uh, most racers like it. Yeah, I love Bud's Creek. Uh, obviously, I've got some some very fond memories there. My uh, first pro motocross championship on the 125, I locked down there in the final moto of the of uh, 1992. And just overall, I just, I've always really enjoyed that track. I didn't always win there. I didn't always have good results, but I always enjoyed it. And uh, I challenge you to find a more passionate track owner and promoter than Jonathan Beasley. Uh, you know, he was something else in the past, past to get it where it is now. I understand they've gone through some changes. But, um, yeah, you're always kind of on and off camber there. Mm-hmm. And some of the older style track, I was just watching a clip of Stanton and Ward and Johnson on the 500s must have been 89. I don't know. It was on mm-hmm. on uh, social media somewhere. Uh, really, of the old track when it was really tight, and I mean, we're talking some serious off cambers. Uh, you know, obviously now pro motocross, the tracks are a lot faster and a lot more open. But uh, uh, that's a unique track. I really enjoy it. Uh, as a veteran, if you're in your um, you're a vet in the class, you're you're Justin Brayton, you're. Um, your Weston Pike, everything else. Look, the the, the titles are gone. Uh, Roxon's got it. Uh, Webb's got it in the two fifties. Um, are you fully engaged? Um, you know, as far as that goes, or are you just trying to like? Obviously, look, everybody's trying their best and everybody's trying to do their hardest. But at the end of the year, it's a little bit of riding it out, isn't it? Unfortunately, I think that it is for certain athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that it's a great time for. Uh, you know, to take advantage of an opportunity when uh, the field's depleted or the field, yeah, some of these guys are are kind of mailing it in, if you will. Um, yeah. And I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying it, it seems natural. Uh, but as a team owner, I would be looking for the guys that are dedicated the whole time because, hey, if, if you want to scoot through the last couple of races in the last month because it's hot and nasty and you want to kind of mail it in, mm-hmm. great, no problem. You know what? I'm going to cut your salary by by 25% or whatever that yeah, would whatever, amount to, right. to equate to. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. <laughs> whoa, here. yeah. You know, if I'm a team owner, team manager, I hire you, I pay you to do a job, work as hard as you can every day that you come to work, and then go home and rest, and that's and that's the way it is. Um, obviously, with sport, it's a lot more psychological at times. And uh, you know, I think last week was interesting at uh, Unadilla. Uh, some of the riders, um, uh, you know, having trouble with the heat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, it's an odd situation to me. 
I'm with you. I'm with you also, yeah. Because if that's the case, then you're overtrained and you're not training smart. Training hard doesn't mean that you're training smart or that you're training the best way you can. You know, so um, once again, I'm not, you know, specifically calling anyone out or just generalizing, you know, this sort of... uh, No, I'm with you. When you're paid to race motorcycles professionally... You're paid to be prepared the best you can and to ride the two motos, so... Um, let me ask you this again, if we're on a team manager uh, thing here, put your team manager hat on and what would you do, say, or work with a guy like Aaron Plessinger? So Plessinger goes to Unadilla and he is absolutely on fire. He comes from like 13th to second in the first moto. Uh, so I think it was 20th, right? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, first lap. The, was like, on the, on the, on the restart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Savachi got him back, but he, so he got third, second moto, uh, ch- again, charged up from, from, you know, just out, just inside the top 10 to, to a solid third. There were times where he was three to four seconds faster than, uh, Cooper Webb or Forkner, whoever was leading. And we saw the same thing at high point, uh, round three, four, he, uh, he just killed it again and was on fire. Other races though, Fro, he's kind of been not even noticeable. He's been riding out in the back a little bit. So when you... See a guy like that, and I wrote about this in my column this week. You wonder to me, you wonder like, why can't you, why can't you at least come close to that? Look, everybody has their good days where they're on, and and you certainly know about that. But to me, as a manager, I'm just like, look, it's you don't just luck into going three to four seconds faster than the than the leaders. Let's figure out what your deal is. So what what do you do with a guy like that? Do you just like a Rob, oh. almost a Robbie Renard a little bit at times, you know? Yeah, I mean, your your job as a team manager is to help uh, the team, whether it be on the technical side or the athlete, help him be the best that he can be. And so a lot of times with younger riders, you know, it becomes a work in progress. Uh, there's n- nothing more frustrating as a team manager and a team owner than inconsistency. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you did this one week. Why can't you do it the next week? Uh, certainly, Aaron excels on that type of uh, terrain but i wouldn't say that uh because of the rain and 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 how rutted and soft it was that that track was totally different than every other track this summer Mm -hmm. because they're almost all like that yeah okay so that's more about aaron having his head screwed on straight this weekend, and why didn't he the other weekends? I personally thought that his ride, the first moto, was one of the most impressive rides uh, of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I was working on an Instagram, and then I got busy. I just was really stoked on the guy, you know, uh, and then I didn't post it. But I'll, pledging my, uh, my admiration here on the Moto 60 show. Uh, and then the, I didn't get to watch the second moto because I was doing family stuff, but then I heard that the result was good again. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was really stoked for him. The biggest thing, you cannot win these races uh, if you are trying to win these things for the first time, right? If you haven't done this before, mm-hmm. you cannot win these races from behind. I've been around for a long time. The most important thing that you have to do is start up front and have this what I call feeling of belonging. And mm-hmm. You get used to racing up front. You get used to what that intensity is like because it's different. Like what Forkner talked about on some of his interviews before the second moto mm-hmm. with Georgia is he talked about, well, I got, I got, you know, I got another hole shot and I got to be out front for a while. And it's like, well, what does that matter other than just you're, you know, you're actually staying clean. It's just a different 
feeling. You have a clear track. You feel like all the eyes in, you know, in the facility are watching you. When you're back in the pack, you're getting, especially yeah. Bill, you're oh, getting yeah. roosted. You're, you're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it's a much different feeling. And for a guy like Aaron to get out and win consistently, he's got to start in the first couple of positions, first two, three, four positions. Starting in 20th is not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, yeah. I watched Michael Rocco do that his whole career because we basically <laughs> were almost on the exact – I think he started a year earlier than I did pro, but, mm-hmm. I mean – if he started inside the top five, let's give him not even top two or three. Yeah, yeah. First, you know, give him a top five. He probably would have won more races than anybody in the nineties, but he could not get good starts consistently. And a guy like myself, I took advantage of that. Where do you stand on like the size of a rider mattering? Like I, I wrote about before the season. Like I don't know if Adam Cincerillo can get starts because look, he's a big dude. Um, Adam has grown up everybody, and um, but Pastrana was a big dude. Ron Lachine was a big dude. Uh, we've seen t- tons of Travis Preston, but you, I mean, there is no mistaking that weight is a disadvantage in the 250 MX class. Aaron's a bigger guy, but you can still pull starts. Cincerillo showed us. Pastrana showed us. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, that your technique you know. can overcome that. Okay, so that's what I'm that getting you, at. Yeah, you look at. Uh, you know, okay, what's your advantage? You know, and I and I train a lot of uh, riders with starts in the Ricky Carmichael universities and uh, tall guys. Uh, you know, guys that are like you know six one, six two, and above. They all have. They all make the same mistake, and uh, in their technique, and that's something that uh, that if I was to coach somebody like Aaron or you know back in the day would have been Pastrana mm-hmm. or somebody is that okay? So you have this weakness you, because you feel like you're tall and you think that it's a weakness. I think that you have an advantage. I think that you have the ability to get your boots and your legs forward. You have the ability to get your head and shoulders up in front of the handlebars. That mm-hmm. weight in front of the bike. Why do you think they use whole shot devices that pull down the forks? Right. Is to keep the, the front wheel from coming up. Mm-hmm. They use it on the 250Fs also, so it's not like the bike is slow. Trust me, that thing's got plenty of horsepower. And so if, I'm, if I was going to coach Aaron or a rider of his size, I'd say, okay, now you, I think you have an advantage over uh, the smaller guys like Alex Martin because now you can get all that weight forward so you can lay into the throttle and the clutch harder and launch the bike out even harder. So... I don't see it as a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Some guys get in their heads that that's it. They can't do it, you know? Exactly. And I'm just like, oh, man. Uh, let's get some phone calls here for uh, Jeff Emig. Alex, uh, you got a question about Cooper Webb? What's going on? Yeah, so it's kind of a future headlines thing. Is he going to is he gonna come in and make a statement, like in qualifying, you know, and then the race, make his mark, or is he going to – Come in, try to make his mark, you know, flip a guy here off and there, you know, like qualifying because they got in his way. And then we see a Western, another Western Pike tweet on how that worked out for you. <laughs> you're talking next Talkin year, right? Big boy class. Yeah, you're talking next year, right? <laughs> like next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Webb is a special talent, and I think he's going to be a front runner right away uh, next year in 450s. Whether he wins or not, I don't know. We've been debating that, but. I do think he's a special talent, but what, is, what does Jeff Emick think? Well, I would echo that for sure. I, I do think that, uh, and I apologize for the echo on my home phone right now. Um, I think that 
Webb has got a tremendous amount of attitude, and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. I, I love, you know, that's kind of like Chad Reed to me is one of those writers. He's got this attitude, and he's not afraid to get in your face and, like, go, you know, nose to nose like he did with Stewart in, in Jacksonville a few years back. And Webb is certainly not afraid to express his opinion, right or wrong. I love that. You don't always have to be right, but I love the fact that he does that. Um, on the track, he is an absolute animal. He, uh, he, whether it's with obstacles and attacking the track mm-hmm. or the competition, he is not afraid to go toe-to-toe with you. He's not afraid to challenge you, even if he fails. I think that he will fail some next year, and I think that he will also blow our minds at times. I, 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 I really do. Uh, I feel that he has the potential to win a Supercross race next year against what surely is going to be another fantastic field. Um, will, uh, you know, immaturity, and I, and I put this immaturity as in the scope of 250 versus 450, right. not age or you know, yeah, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, will it play a part? You know, probably. Probably here and there, Willie makes some mistakes. Probably. Most of us do. Uh, do I see him losing his cool like uh, Weston did this year and doing something like that? No, I don't think so. But chances are we're going to have some pretty good sound bites out of him in the next couple of years. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, thanks, right. Alex. Thanks for your call. One last thing. Thanks. Go ahead. Yep. One last thing. We're running out of room on the AC train after last week's ride. He's going to be up there pretty soon. Um. Well, yeah, it was definitely. I'm def- driving the AC train, so if you want to ride on it, you better hurry up because we're taking it's, off. It's, I think it's still. Got, I think there's still a lot of people on the AC train. I do. Um, you know, he's trying to get through a season, and I think that's what it is with him. Um, yeah. So thanks, Alex. All right. Thanks. Yeah, Adam is certainly, uh, you know, again, he's one of those guys that, that couldn't make it through the second moto. He crashed lightheaded, he said. He told me he said he felt, like, sick a little bit. Uh, whether that was the cause of the crash or whether the crash caused that, I'm not exactly sure. But I think uh, I've talked to him a little bit, um, Jeff. I just think he's trying to make it through a series and build on something. And I can't say I blame him with all the injuries he's had. Yeah. Yeah, the first and foremost, I've said this before, probably on the show this summer, is when I rode for Bruce Sernstrom at Kawasaki, first thing you got to do, Jeff, is figure out how to ride every race this year. Mm-hmm. You have to start and finish every moto, every supercross, every pro motocross. After that, we'll worry about the results. You know, and so these guys that didn't finish the moto this year, what we've experienced with James Stewart earlier this season, you're like, dude, really? Yeah. It's a 16-, 17-minute <laughs> Supercross race. Can't get it done. Or these two motos of the Pro Motocross Championship. You just can't finish the motos. That If I was a team owner slash team manager, I would be pissed. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't, so, uh... And they need to figure that out because that's, that's uh, man, that's a, a big check mark next to your name when that stuff starts happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam, welcome to the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. What's your question for, uh, for Jeff Emig? Hi, Steve and Jeff. It's, it's actually perfect Jeff Emig's on. Because I had a question about the uh, basically Honda and Kawasaki, maybe Suzuki also. I wonder if they're worried that KTM is uh, – that they're ceding so much of this uh, the 125 and 252 stroke market to KTM and Husqvarna, and, and if they're worried about that at all. And my secondary question would be, do you think there are any secret plans for these companies to produce another two-stroke, 125 and 252-stroke? 
I don't think either one of us really know, but what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, if there was a secret plan, we obviously wouldn't know about it. Uh, (laughs) Nobody tells Steve and I jack shit. So uh, I, as uh, most people know, I'm a a big fan of the 125 class, of the 125 machine, what it represents to off-road riding and motocross racing uh, specifically. The fact that uh, Husqvarna, KTM, Yamaha, who else makes a 125? TM. TM, yeah. yeah. Uh, that those companies uh, choose to produce the bike, and I know the Husky uh, and the KTM have uh, new machines here in the last couple of years. Um, um, Yamaha is an older bike with a bunch of updates, still seems to be pretty good. Um, the fact that they are involved in that means that they're committed to uh, a full range of motorcycles. I think that it's great for our customers to have that choice. I think that you're finally seeing uh, a change in AMA Amateur Motocross with uh, a couple of 125 classes being added to the Loretta Lens Amateur Motocross Championship, and I think that you're going to see that trend continue and that the 125 class gets stronger. That being said, the 125 two-strokes are a very small, uh, as far as new unit sales, it's very small compared to 250s and especially 450s. But... I do applaud the companies that have been uh, committed to it because I, I personally am a big fan of that uh, class and what it represents to our sport. Yeah, so um, you don't think the, the other manufacturers are worried at all that they have that they have no market share in, in the two-strokes at all? I don't know, it's no, hard, I mean, yeah. we're talking. Yeah. I, I don't think that they're worried about it, but I have heard rumor. Steve, you can uh, chime in if you think you've heard, heard this, but I'm, I'm hearing that uh, Suzuki is working on 125. But... I, yeah, I, that's just that's just. Rumor. I haven't heard of anything. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 with Jeff, Alex. I don't know what the market share is, how many new units is are sold, but um, I don't think that I think that you know those guys are. You got to think about how small motocross machines are for all these OEMs, not KTM, mm-hmm. but the, the Japanese ones. Yeah, what a small small segment of that is, and what a small small segment the off road. Uh, world is for those guys. So I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe they're worried, but maybe it costs them more to fire up a production line to make two strokes than it does to even profit. You know, profit on selling those units. You know, so yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with Bruce Ernstrom, uh, and that was a couple years ago, probably, about what it takes to produce a brand new model. Okay, and let's use the 125 as the example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Yamaha, their bike is was a new model and probably 07, 08, mm-hmm. right? So they've done some updates to it. They've kept it uh, competitive as such. Uh, KTM came out with a new model a couple years ago. Husqvarna, I believe the 125 was new last year. Um, and, and that if I'm going to say, and this is kind of a rough guess, I'm not saying it's completely uneducated, but I'm going to say that they probably sell two to 3,000 units, new units a year worldwide. Well, the cost to build that new bike, from what I understand, is give or take a couple million, is, give, is, there, is around, like, let's say, eight million bucks. Mm-hmm. So how many units do you have to sell? How long does how that long, bike have right, to, yeah, exactly. to even hit the break-even mark to get yeah. out of the red? And so that's the, you know, that's the business of motorcycles and whatnot. So, how um, like I said, I applaud the companies that have found a way to make that work, mm-hmm. to take that risk, to... Uh, think that it's it's um, important to their business uh, because I personally 
think that it's important to my business, which is motocross and dirt bike racing. And so uh, I'm stoked for the companies that are involved, and I'm glad that the customers and the families have uh, really embraced the 125 um, on the youth side. And, and even the guys that I'm going to see next month at Washougal at the 125 Dream Race uh, mm-hmm. on the adult side. So it should be well, cool. cool. Uh, hey, thanks, uh, thanks for the call, man, Adam. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, thank All you. Right. Uh, dark side, you got a question about the motocross donations? Yeah, I do. Um, Monday, you got you had a guy that left a message that kind of mirrored this, but is there anything that the riders or the teams could do in the contracts next year now that we know we've got a lot of extra races besides the MX Nations after the two main series are over, Supercross and Motocross? Anything they can put in their contract that says that the MX Nations comes first and then uh, we'll do one event or two events? Like doing other than that? Uh, I, I don't That's know. A question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to well, me, the main explanations is the third most important. Yeah, I would think maybe Supercross, as far as sponsors go, Supercross, Motocross. No, but Darkside, you're you're wrong. It's not. It's the third most important race to you. If it wasn't in, important to the other guys, th- these guys would make them go. Monster has said. You must go to USGPs. You must not go to. You don't have to go to Motocross Nations. KTM has told Dungey you must go to SMX Cup. You do not have to go to Motocross Nations. So that's uh, important to the sponsors. Because I know I look at it differently from like an apparel side. Um, I think that the marketing and uh, exposure and everything that goes along with the Motocross of Nations. when it comes to apparel, I think is is it's one of the biggest races of the year, maybe even the single biggest weekend. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a it's a uh, it's a touchy subject because there's a lot of emotion involved in that, and there's a lot of history involved. Um, and we, it, I'm I'm probably one of those people that doesn't fully grasp uh, what the riders are going through uh, right now, and that they're getting. You know, there's 29 races here in the U.S. plus, well, plus the Monster Energy Cup, right? So now you're up to uh, 30. Um, and then Monster Energy w- wants to uh, support these MXGPs that are coming here to the states, and and then you also throw in the Monster Energy Motocross of Nations. It's like boom, 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 boom. Uh, Red Bull riders probably end up doing the uh, straight rhythm, correct? Yeah. Is that is that going again this year? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's there's all these extra races and and. Uh, I, I don't know if the contracts and the negotiation is exactly caught up with uh, with the amount of added races. Yeah, happening, yeah. Right? Uh, and and if it has, we as as being outsiders that are not agents and athletes and companies in the meeting negotiating the contract, we haven't caught up with it. So, yeah. I'm one of the guys that I'm not. Like, I'm not bagging on Tomac and Dungey for not wanting to go. I get it. I mean, but I wish there was something that would make it where that, you know, to me that's more important than the two GPs that really in the overall scheme of things don't mean anything to them as riders because uh, they're not in points for it. So it's just a race. But the MX Nations is a pride thing for the country. And yeah, and, and that's interesting because I think that for a lot of the Monster Energy riders, uh, a lot of those athletes – um, it was probably built into their contract and their team contracts to do that event. And the, and the odd thing is that 
Well, Monster Energy is the title sponsor of the Motocross of Nations, too. So, so where does that lie? I, I, I can tell you because I've done I, – I was at uh, Majora Park in Italy uh, for a week during June, doing a bunch of marketing with them, doing a whole big weekend of riding. The event's going to be off the hook. It's going to be a really, really special event. And so for me personally, when I, I, I just feel this anticipation building for this event, and then when I hear about these riders not going, I'm bummed for them because I'm like, you're, you're going to miss out on what I think is going to be one of the best races of their career. Oh, but you're right. Listen, me, you know, maybe I'm. Darkside uh, Fro is biting his tongue. He's disgusted. He went, to, he went there six <laughs> times, and he loved motocross the nations, and. He's biting his tongue. He's just he's, he. Well, if he if you got maybe, a few, if you got a few drinks in him, Fro would really let you know that this is. This maybe he could get on the team. Let's It'd be even better him. if Steve was buying the drink. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Darkside. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank Bye. you. Yeah, it's it's. I think I'm with. I think you know. Maybe we're just old school, Jeff. I don't know, but uh, to me, the Motocross of Nations is uh, something special. And if you've never been as a fan, you've got to go and check it out. And, and it's really brutal that these guys. Again, I don't. I. I don't blame Dungy and Tomac. I really don't. They race a lot, and um, you know. But I just wish these guys would make time for it and figure it out. And OEMs would figure it out, and everybody would figure it out. But. <laughs> Chances are, with the event being at Glen Helen in 2017, is that uh, people will be uh, fighting for a spot on Team USA. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Last question for the great Jeff Emig comes from Travis. What's up, Travis? How are you? Hey, Steve. What's up, man? What's going on? I was just heading home, literally just past the Team Tedder rig. It was just a little side note, heading down to the track. But my question was, um, Zach Osborne, I know for the past couple of weeks, you know, he's had some rough motives with, you know, mistakes that he's made and also bike issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, if, you know, I haven't really seen a whole lot, you know, people talking about him because he's kind of, you know, off his game right now. I'm just wondering if you got an insight of uh, what's going on. I talked to him this week, and yeah, just two mechanicals this year, this this past weekend at Unadilla. I think it brings up to, I think it's between, it's either four or five or maybe six mechanicals for Zach uh, outdoors um, this year, which is uh, can't happen if you're on that level of that team. And whether it's the mechanics' fault, the team's fault, the bike's fault, or I mean, Zach's fault. Um, I've been on teams and, and it's not it's not good. And um, certainly he's had a rough summer. He's shown promise here and there, but um, like Zach, he can't get starts. And you know, finally he he won a moto at a high point, and you thought things were turning around. But man, it's been uh, it's been up and down for him. So um, you know, and and Jeff, as a rider, I don't think I doubt you've ever had this, Jeff. But as a rider, when your bike's letting you down over and over, or it's what seems like over and over. You you kind of get disheartened a little bit, I think. I think you feel a little bit like, you know, just the whole vibe is bad. Yeah, it certainly crushes your motivation, uh, and it's tough to recover from, and especially if there's any sort of loss in, loss in trust in your machine. Uh, you know that motocross is, is uh, you know, at that level that uh, there's a lot of risk involved for these athletes. And so if you're doubting that, it, it really <laughs> makes the throttle back off so my, my my question would be for you steve in your long and esteemed career as a professional oh, thank uh, you motocross supercross mechanic did you have any mechanicals that were directly attributed to something that you did or didn't do um no i don't think so um which, had, which isn't normally the case I'm no just, no it's very rare for the mechanics very, at that level rare. 
uh, to actually screw things up. I've had close calls. I think everybody has where you come back and you look at your bike and you're like, ooh, that wasn't good. Um, front axle nuts, like almost <laughs> yeah. all the way back to off. Yeah. You're like, oh, that was not good. And thankfully, the checkers came out. Um, I had I had an electrical DNF where uh, my coil wire broke, and I probably, if I would have taken a, a second look, uh, I probably wouldn't route it like I did. Um, so maybe that was my kind of my fault. It was late in Southwick Moto, and I was like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. But it, the wire also probably shouldn't have broke. But, yeah, it, it's a crushing feeling, man. Um, you know, you really, you're like, gee whiz, you know. Yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, caller, it was uh, Travis, right? Yeah, Travis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because this whole thing, because of the risk involved at the highest level of motocross and supercross racing, confidence is paramount in this in this whole deal. That if you don't have confidence in your in your in yourself in your machine, you just can't ride at that high level, right? And so when riders experience uh, mechanical issues, and uh, in Zach's case, unfortunately, it's, it's been a few of them, just this championship, it really wears on you. And it, it takes so long to build your confidence. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a house of cards, right? You work on the thing for months, and then somebody comes in, leaves the door <laughs> open on a windy day, and boom, it's gone. Yeah. And yeah. so how long does it take to get that back? Sometimes some riders can say, okay, they can put it behind them and move on. Most of the time, not. And that's what you're experiencing with, well, let's say, Zach Osborne, uh, the injuries that, like, Adam Cincerillo's had. You know, so it can be mechanical failures. It can be injuries. It could be things like that where, where that disrupts your confidence. And the number one thing is, is that it just takes so long to get that back in place. Um. All right, thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. All right, thank hey, you. Steve, hope to see you this weekend, man. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be around, man. Just just look for me uh, under JGR tent or Honda tent or Kawasaki tent or Kawasaki. All yep. right, got gotcha. you. Thank you, man. <laughs> see you. Uh, That's the right. only three teams that'll let you under the rig. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been banned from all the rest. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jeff Emig, the voice of Monster Energy Supercross, uh, uh, and also a Husqvarna brand manager, and your work with Shift, of That'd course, brand ambassador. Brand ambassador. Um, thanks, buddy. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. All right, my pleasure. Good, good, right. good show today. Uh, talk to you guys next time. All right, sounds good, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff Emig, everybody. And from there, we'll transition right into his old partner, Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah, been a long time for you on this show. You've been avoiding us. Yeah, I mean that's uh, totally on purpose. It's been a great time. <laughs> it's been absolutely exactly what you want. It's been superb. Um, yeah. Flyracing.com. Please check them out. 2017 gear out now. Uh, whether whether it's Brayton or uh, uh, Millsaps and Supercross or Canard or, or Pike or, or any of these guys, uh, they help the guys at Fly Racing uh, to, to uh, innovate and elevate their gear. And uh, the new Boa system on their Evo Pan is uh, fantastic. Please check it out. Mountain bike gear, uh, hard parts, whatever. Go to uh, go to Flyracing.com and see all the crap they've got. It's great. And nfab, n-fab.com, uh, proudly built in Houston, Texas, USA. Light mounting, steps, bumpers, uh, nfab, JGR guys, of course, a uh, big part of that team. And, uh, and yeah, so it's awesome. Uh, first up, Weege. Can were- I uh, throw a shout-out for the, uh, and I'm not a lawyer, so they will, this one I'll hold up in court, but the apparently flame retardant abilities of fly racing gear. Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Max, I guess the BTO truck caught fire at Unadilla, and I guess Max was at the laundromat like all night, just uh, you know, cleaning it up and, and making it as good as new. So yeah, yeah, a lot of smoke damage. The stuff still smelled pretty bad 
but I mean, you're not going to wash all the smoke out, but I can't believe all that stuff survived. It's pretty cool. And then Benny Bloss was literally on fire at Unadilla. Yeah. Yeah, he was heating up for sure. <laughs> he was. Hey, so listen, you, 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 we just had Jeff Emig on the show, and, and you work with Grant Langston now, and you worked with Emig for years, calling the motocross series. What's their differences? What's their difference in styles? Oh, between uh, Emig and Langston? Yeah, not on the you know not on the track, not on the track in the booth. Yeah, uh, you would think because we all know Langston, as you just experienced with your two part podcast you did with him. Uh, we know that Langston's the kind of guy you say, hey, how you doing, and you get an hour-long answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've actually found that um, Grant is a little more blunt, like, here's what I have to say, and here's my point, and I'm just putting it out there right now. And as you experience on this show every Thursday, Jeff, I think, is a little more thoughtful, articulate, so it's like a longer, more uh, uh, polished way of getting the, the point across, and mm-hmm. Langston, he's just he's just ramming it down your throat. If whatever he feels or whatever he thinks, he's going to let you know. Yeah. Where I think, um, I don't know, two different styles. I think Emig is, uh, he's been doing it longer, so maybe that's yeah. why it always comes across a little more polished and maybe takes longer to explain. Grant is surprisingly quick on the TV show for how long he usually talks. Right, right. Uh, t- yeah. 702-586-7857. We're still giving away a set of 2017 fly gear to uh, one lucky caller. If you call in and ask Jason Wygan or myself a question, go ahead. We had a caller, first stop, Weege, wants us to, hit, to take the podcast show on the road uh, on Fridays. He wants us to uh, uh, to do that. We, I'm almost afraid someone's going to suggest that because it's such an incredibly good idea. Um, but I'm afraid of having to actually do it because it's so good I won't be able to stop myself. <laughs> you just so please don't right. suggest that. People. Don't give us any money for it. Don't give us money. Um, <sighs> It'd be so awesome. Yeah, no, no doubt. We'll figure. We'll figure it out. We'll try to make it work. Hey, so um, if you're look, Benny Bloss, we just brought him up. He he ran second in the second moto. He was uh, fourth overall in the day. He went seven four, I believe, uh, at Unadilla. Yeah, seven four for for fourth overall. If you're and look, we we got to talk about the racers that are racing in front of us. But nine guys from Hangtown that finish in the top 20 in the 450 class are out with injury. Um, so basically half the field from Hangtown are hurt. And, you know, Benny's been coming on and he's riding well. How do we, and fans, media, fans, teams even, how do we balance, like, what Benny's doing to who's hurt? Do you know what I mean? You always get that. And I get it. Uh, I always tell people, hey, I, I can just write about the guys that are racing and Benny rolled great. And he did. But how do you value that? How do you how do you how do you weigh that against the guys that aren't there? I think there uh it goes back to your theory. I think there's an eye test for it. Um there definitely have been and you always get in trouble for this if you say that there have been seasons where dudes' results got elevated because of injuries, because anyone uh, in their camp, their agent, trainer, team manager, wife, girlfriend, sister all three, some of them have at the same time, <laughs> right. will say, you know, that's ridiculous. He's getting third or he's getting fifth or he's getting eighth. Um, and they don't want to hear it. But uh, absolutely, I think there are some. I'll give you an example. Uh, Brock Tickle got, what, two podiums this year? He uh, got a few podiums in 2012, but that was really against a, a decimated field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, that's the example. I feel like Tickle's podiums this year were much more impressive than the podiums he had in 12. They were still podiums back then, so yeah. I don't want to take that away from him yeah. and get people mad. So I think you have to put a little 
quality over quantity and not just look at the number. Bloss is literally riding well, and now you're getting to the point where he's – and he ran second in that moto, and they didn't eat him up. It took a little while for him to mm-hmm. get to him. Yep. Moose, Moose can't tell him were faster, but it wasn't uh, five seconds in one lap. Um, and I'm also trying to look here if I could just get the results. I think one thing you could do is – I can't imagine how much closer he is to the leaders at the end of the motos now. I mean, he was 21st, I think, in a moto at Hangtown. There's mm-hmm. not that many dudes injured. Right, uh, right. So I think you can just watch it, look at some numbers, and tell that this is a legitimate improvement. It's not just he would have got 12th and he got yeah. hurt. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult yeah. thing for managers to do, you know, and be like, well, you know, I mean, hey, you got to celebrate the guys that are there and, and congratulate them. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, something you got to think about. So Well, for the managers, you know, they're trying to figure out what is the value of these guys and how good are they if you're trying to sign someone for the future and how much should they be paid. And that goes back to, I think, what uh, Emig was saying here at the end of his call. Confidence is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe Benny did get a boost early on because a couple guys are out and he sneaks in into the top ten or sneaks in an eighth when maybe he wouldn't have early. But then once he gets there, then he believes it. And now he's going to the races literally thinking he can podium, which how can you deny that? He just yeah. got fourth in a moto. So... Sometimes uh, that happens at first. It tricks the guy into believing it, and then once he believes it, you really can't stop him no matter who, but he, who is there. So it's real in many ways. Uh, BTO Sports uh, KTM owner Forrest Butler uh, told us on Monday he signed Benny for next year, 250 uh, East Supercross and 450 Outdoors. So that's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was getting very difficult, I think. There's so many – uh, free agents out there in the 450 class. Benny was making it probably really a headache on these teams. Like, wait, what about this guy? What do yeah. we do? Wait a minute. We thought we just had Tickle, Weimer, Brayton to deal with. Now we got Bloss in our mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike, uh, Will Hahn, yeah, yeah. all these guys. But yeah, now another guy. Yeah. What do you think Yoshizuki does? What do you think they do for next year? Uh, I've certainly uh, talked to some guys that think they're going all 250s. Um, I've talked to other people that said they're not doing that. Uh, Other people say they might not be around. Uh, RCH, I think, is is in that mix too. But what do you think they do? Yeah, the problem right now is I think they're just not getting information at all. You know, the the guys in the trenches at the races are just, they're not getting a yay or nay. And, that's not even usually a question, right? Like, are yeah. we going right to right, right. question you need an answer to? So yeah. the fact that we're at this point, at round 11, uh, is, is really scary. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't think they will be back um, at all in any capacity. Um, so that's just scary. Now, it seems crazy to me to think, I even heard at the RCH program, which about three weeks ago I heard, nah, they're going to be in with Suzuki. It's going to work out. There's just a few I's and T's that need to be dotted and crossed. It'll mm-hmm. be fine. And then this weekend I'm hearing, no, it's now not looking good for them either. I can't imagine that when it's all said and done, there just won't be Suzuki 450s at all with any support next year. I, I just can't see that happening in the end. I'm with you, too. I believe it 100%. Yeah, you, 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 you've got to have them, them out there. But, gee whiz, I don't know, man. Things are getting late already, and you know, you got to see what, go, what, yeah. what goes on with these uh, guys. So No, but, yeah, I've never heard uh, this level of uh, – dire straits, because I'll be honest, the Yoshizuki team has been against the ropes quite a bit through the years with the bad economy and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was even a year when I was like, you know, they brought out, they had Brett Metcalf under a deal, and they still brought out one rider. Uh, you know, they honored the second year of his contract. I don't know if we've ever been quite to this point where they're literally shrugging their shoulders saying, we don't know. Well, that leads me on to the James Stewart question, which you know had to, had to be dropped at some point in this podcast show. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is he going to do? What is James Stewart uh, going man, to do? It, Who is going to pay him it, to race it, next year? 
Yeah, it's two things colliding at once. I mean, uh, what, any evidence I'm seeing in the track, I'm like, why would the guy volunteer to keep putting himself through this? I mean, he keeps getting hurt, which is not awesome. Um, he's not doing anything that he would be pumped on, even when he, even the motives he doesn't get hurt in. You're not fist pumping over that, right? Um, so, from a physical health, mental health standpoint, I don't know why he'd want to keep doing it. And then, second of all, he's got to find someone to pay him which seems very unlikely right now, especially if this musical chairs ends with potentially four fewer 450 chairs than there once were. Yeah. It's two things coming together at once. Um, and I guess if he's proud, he's a proud guy, and he maybe still wants to race in his heart, but I don't know. I mean, to me... I mean, he's still... To me, the easiest solution right now is to just pull the chute on it because it's going to be hard to get a ride. It's going to be hard to make money. And even when he is out and, there, it and sure you, seems painful. And if you can start your own deal, but do you really want to dip into your money for that? Do you really want to dip into your life savings to start a team? Yeah, and that, that was the rumor that both you and I heard. I don't know. It was probably around June. Yeah. And I, you know how these team deals work. If James was, quote-unquote, starting his own team, I don't believe he was necessarily reaching directly into his pockets. Like, yes, Chad Reed, for example, spent a lot of his own money on 2-2 Motorsports, but all of the money did not come from him. No. Um you know, and I think that in James's case, it would be more of he has investors that are looking to get involved, and he could bring them to the table. I don't think it's the budget's three million dollars, and James will spend three million dollars, but he'd probably be spending something. Spend something, However, yeah, yeah. But worse off, how many times do we hear rumors of this type of thing, and then when it actually comes to signing the checks, if they don't get signed? So, <laughs> right, I'll believe that team when I see you. It's not a Stewart thing. It's just we hear it all. The time. Some dude is going to invest, wants to start a team, wants to be a sponsor. They're bringing this in. They're bringing yeah. that in. It's rumored all the time. I had heard this week too. Brayton's Brayton leaning towards a Moto Concepts deal. So that should be wow. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Motor Concepts might branch out a little bit. So uh, we'll see wow. what happens with that. Certainly there's not a lot out there for him. Um, getting back to Stewart, though, there is no doubt he's second, third most popular rider in the pits. Chad's probably number one. If you want to say Dungey's more popular, we've got a bigger line of people, okay, maybe. But James is up there, so that is worth something to people. Yeah, I guess that's what it comes down to. Are you leveraging that um... – Moving the needle, I think what hurts, though, is that, you know, even in June, say, like every race or every week or every month that goes by, he just drills further down as far as the riding part goes. Yeah, um, no, you're right. You know, maybe in May or June, you're like, ah, he got a bad concussion at the first Anaheim, and then he looped out at Daytona, so he never really got a clear look. But every time he's come back now, he's hurt himself, so I feel like that, for yeah. sure, moving the needle being popular helps. But how long can you? <laughs> you got to do. You got to do something. Yeah, you've got to do something. Something. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, all right. Let's get to some phone calls here. Uh, Steven, what's going on, man? You want to talk about Amart? Yeah, I was wondering if um, you guys had heard if the the TLD deal had gone through for sure. Yeah. Yep. Amart will be on TLD KTM along with Jordan Smith next year. And, uh, oh, really? Okay. Hopefully, Jesse Nelson, cross our fingers, uh, yeah, and probably and Shane McElrath, I would think, would be there. And um, just a question of what they do with Mitchell Oldenburg or not. So, Okay. Do you, is he the, uh, to you guys, you and Jason, is he the uh, favorite for second in the points, you guys think? What do, you, Savachi, DNF. Yeah, what do you think? We each, Savachi and Amart, are tied for second, four motos left. Yeah, I th- I'm going to look at like a matter of motivation here. I'm sure if you're Amart, you want second. That'd be awesome for you. You know, a long-time journeyman guy. Second would be a heck of a tip of the cap to yourself. And he's got the finishing oh, yeah. thing I think to keep digging for. I think if you're Savachi, you're probably 
a little bit bummed, like, you're probably thinking, oh, this title could have been mine. I'm not pumped on second. So at least as far as, like, who would probably be gunning for it a little more, I would I would lean toward Amart. Maybe that helps because they've been almost dead even on the track. So that's a little edge for him. Yeah, yeah. All right, Steve, anything else? Yeah, one other thing. Um, I know the TV didn't catch it. I, I was at Washougal, and um, the second moto, Martin Davalos, kind of just disappeared. And I was wondering if you guys ever heard anything or – yeah, why can't um, uh, why can't his TV crew really drop the ball on that one? Um, <laughs> well, I was uh, I was standing at the podium waiting to see Amart get his trophy, and uh, there's a big group of people, and I look up over my shoulder, and Martin Davos is flying through the air, like yes. five feet above everybody, <laughs> and lands in the crowd and hits a few people, and his bike is upside down in the fence. So. I don't mean to laugh. I don't know if he, yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but that yeah. is exactly what happened. Yes, he jumped off the track, and nobody caught it, right, Wygant? Like, nobody yeah. knew. He just... Yeah, I don't even know if team people, anyone. I don't know if anyone has a, has footage of this. Yeah, he like he laid on the ground for I don't know ten minutes and just laid there. He was breathing, but just, and then he got up. <laughs> he was breathing well. Power. Yeah, he was at Unadilla, so he was breathing. You're you're right. That's true. <laughs> um, Did he crowd surf? I wanted the same crowd surf, Portland, Oregon grunge style. Yeah, you know, another five feet, and he probably could have done that. Honestly, uh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's 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 amazing that it wasn't worse from what I hear. I, that's the same jump. Just uh, Josh Hill on an H and H Cowie went off to the right on that jump uh, into the flat ground, uh, and then oh, wow. Mar- and Martin went left into the crowd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty gnarly, pretty scary situation. But yeah, obviously Marty got eighth overall or something at uh, at Unadilla, so he's he's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, uh, um, you want some gear? You want some 2017 fly gear? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. All right, same gear that Weston Pike runs. Exactly. Sweet, man. That's awesome. All right, stay on hold, Stephen. Uh, hey, All right, no problem. Uh, Stephen wins the uh, 2017 Fly Racing gear, flyracing.com. Weege, um, the restart situation was something we were talking about at the beginning of the show, myself and Tits, uh, from the first moto. Um, you guys were a bit confused on whether they started on the order of the race or starting on the order of the, uh, the positions of the race or starting on the order of, that they qualified in. And then also, too, we were confused on the second one as far as, like, okay, is it uh, single file? Is the race over? And do they, does it go to the lap before or the current lap? It went, like, on the, basically on the current lap, it looked like. Um, there was a lot of confusion there, though. I don't, and I don't know I which one was. a lot of it is, um, and this happened with um, when Dungeon got penalized and uh, Detroit Supercross and lost two positions. And then you heard riders railing and saying, look at Jason Anderson. He didn't have his wheels on the ground. Well, there are different rules in the two different series. There is no such thing as a wheels on the ground flag in Supercross. It's just wheels on the ground. You can't even do wheels on the ground in some of the obstacles. Right. So dudes got confused with the rules. And in outdoors, there is no such thing as the staggered, you know, in a line restart because there's 40 dudes, not 20. I mean, imagine how long that line would be. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of it is assuming what you think the rule book says, and none of us are smart enough or work hard enough to actually read it. Um, so I did have the dialogue that, or the sheet of paper that says, you know, the race will be restarted in its original order or positions, but that doesn't mean positions on the track. It means you're qualifying. Calling positions, right. Position. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there was a confusion there. As far as that the second moto, which lap thing, uh, I don't even know. I can't even. I'm, those things confuse me to no end. Like, it, I can't uh, even remember. Webb crossed the finish line once in the lead. I think he did, right? Yeah, yeah, he did, but only they only scored yeah. ten guys or something. They scored, yeah, ten or eleven I, I guys. Start, right. My mind doesn't bend those around um, those types of problems. Like I don't understand but, it. I'm but a guy, it. a guy like you that's on TV, live TV, you're like you've got to get this info ASAP and right and 
That's some stress. Well, that's my point. Like a good announcer, like saying baseball, you have to know if the ball bounces off the pitcher's mound and it goes in the stands, what does that mean? Uh, all of us in this sport, myself included, are too dumb to actually have done that research. So uh, I admit I was like, huh, what will we do now? <laughs> Seriously, What's, no idea. Well, even in Supercross, yeah. the first time they did the, uh, the lineup in a single file, I'm like, what? Huh? What is this? I've never yeah, yeah. heard of this I do remember before. Jeff Canfield pointing that out when I was at the rule book, and I'm like, wow, are we ever going to see that? And then lo and behold, we did. Yeah. And by the way, that was confusing, too, because even when they do the stagger restart, they bring them to the starting gate first and then start rolling them down to the starting That's right. straightaway. Yeah. Yeah. So you're still thinking, oh, they're not doing the staggered. Oh, no, wait, they are, which looks confusing, but yeah. it's actually done on purpose that way. Uh, Bud's Creek this weekend, well, before we let you go on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show, give me some Bud's Creek memories. Well, again, we had Emig on, and, and obviously that's where he wrapped up the title, his first title. But uh, what about some Bud's Creek memories for you? Uh, do I need to go donations, or is that just too obvious? No, you can. Yeah, you can go donations. Sure. Oh, I mean, where do you even, where do you even start? I'll just start at the end. The donation of 07 was the craziest race weekend I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. It was superb. It was unforgettable. And I just remember, to top it all off, as I was leaving, I was driving away on, like, Sunday night, mm-hmm. somebody said, hey, why can't? And then they reached into their camp area and threw, like, a big slab of bacon on my windshield. And then I had all this, then I ran the windshield wipers, and then my windshield was covered in bacon grease. And I was like, that is the perfect ending for this ridiculous weekend. Somebody wanted to give you some bacon. Um, And you know me, I was like, how can I fry this up? How can I take advantage? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that donation is awesome. As far as nationals go, uh, I used to be able to drive up and back from New Jersey as a kid in one day, leave at 4.30 in the morning, you Mm -hmm. know, leave at 6.30 in the afternoon. And um, I do remember well... A first moto even one time or it's kind of a surprise uh tim ferry i don't know if you remember this um <laughs> yes taking yeah. the lead and winning yes. the moto is very impressive yes yes who can forget in 03 passing kevin windham in the opening laps and holding off uh some guy number four uh for for 30 plus two and taking the win it was a tremendous day it was a great day actually it was one that lives in inf- infamy yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, track has weirdo results sometimes, man. Um, I think oh one or two thousand, it was an odd moto where Carmichael was in the lead and actually kind of faded back and got like third or fourth, sitting at arm pump, and it was just kind of weird. Um, was that so uh, for some reason? Was that the year Reed was there? No, it was before that. I remember okay. it was Carmichael on a Kawasaki. Oh, okay. Still. Wow. Um, and I think he went three one, saying still got the overall, but it was weird. He actually got passed by dudes. Right. Right. Um. So I guess sometimes those first motos, those Bud's Creek first motos, you never know. Yeah, you just never know. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming back on the show. I appreciate it. I thought you didn't like us anymore, but I thought you didn't like tits or hey. I or both of us. Or, yeah. Uh, no, definitely not doing it for you guys, but I did do some research. Hangtown, Benny Bloss, lapped in a moto and a minute and 34 seconds behind in another moto. He's Jeez. definitely... Closer than that. He's better. He is better than that. You're right about that. Well, uh, Jason Wygant, the voice of uh, uh, Lucas Oil MA Pro Motocross, Uh, thanks for your time today, bud. ProMotocross.com. Watch the motos there, folks. Easiest way to do it. See ya. Thank you. See ya. That's the Weege, everybody, and that's the show. Fly Race and Moto 60 Show presented by NFAP Tits. Fantastic job over there. Thank you. Thanks to Jeff Emig. Thanks to Jason Wygant. Thanks to Tits. Thanks to you guys. The penultimate. 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 It's like.
Penultimate with pen in front of it. Penultimate. 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 Yes. Show of the year. All right, everybody. That's your lesson for today. See you next week. I was born.